Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Two amens. I believe God is faithful tonight. <laughs> How many believe God is faithful tonight? Hallelujah. Faithful to help us in our time of need. We're so glad that you're here tonight, that you take time out of your busy schedule to be in God's house. What a great, great testimony that is. Acts chapter 14. If you would join me there tonight. Acts chapter 14. As we look into God's Word tonight, there is an interesting part of human nature that leads humanity to do something very strange. It's all throughout the Bible, and it is also tonight happening in our world today Uh, in front of our very eyes. And that is a trend tonight to make man more than he really is. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Tonight, if you were to look at the very first dictator in the Bible, his his name is Nimrod. He's in Genesis uh, chapter 9. Around the same time as the character of Abraham that we know in the Bible. But the Bible says that Nimrod was a hunter of men. Nimrod, he said, let's build a tower to the sky. And uh, God said that if they put their mind to it, that they could have accomplished it. God had to come down and break up that mess. But what we see in Nimrod is the very first human dictator, a man who gathered power to himself and found a great following of people. We see this all throughout Scripture. We see people like Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a, a, a king of Babylon who thought it was reasonable to make a giant gold statue of himself. Can I just suggest to you, if, if you think that that's okay, there might be something wrong with you. You need to get your head checked out. And yet, What we see in the scripture is that millions of people, young people especially, began to bow down and worship the golden image of a king named Nebuchadnezzar. We see in modern times, in perhaps the last hundred years, the last hundred years of this world have been the most violent of almost any time in all of human history. And much of that violence and much of that uh, destruction has been caused by exactly the very same thing. 
It is when people gather up too much power unto themselves. Whether that is power gathered in a monarchy as a king begins to gather power to himself, or whether it's the socialist or communist uh, viewpoints of the uh, Soviet Union, uh, you have Mao Zedong in China. All of these are examples of the same thing. It is as people begin to exalt another person to a position of prominence and power. Today, probably the best example we can see is in North Korea. And little King John uh, Fatboy has inherited a throne that he inherited from his father, who inherited from his father. And if you were to visit North Korea today, what you would see is people who not only have a dictator who's in control, but he is also venerated as almost a god. His picture is on every wall of every home. And, uh, and people worship him as if he is a god. It is not the first time that this has happened, nor will it be the last time. What we see in our culture, this is an interesting part of human culture, human nature. And that is, especially when there is no God for us to worship, we will begin to exalt somebody else. This is exactly what we see in our scripture. We see an attempt to exalt the Apostle Paul to a status bigger than what he really is. And I want to declare to you tonight, as people who understand who the real king is, as people who understand who the true God is, it is your job and it is mine as believers to oppose the deification of man. And that is the, the uh, title of my message tonight, Opposing Deification. And I want to read this scripture with you. In Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 8, it says, While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called him up in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started Walking, What an incredible miracle. Verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they began to shout in their local dialect, These men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of, of the temple and the crowd brought bowls and wreaths out of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. Whoa! Hold on a second, guys. Verse 14. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay. This is an ancient way of showing grief and anguish. They tore their clothing and ran out among the people shouting. Listen to what they shouted. Friends, why are you doing this? 
We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. Verse 18, but even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus. I thank you for your people tonight. I thank you for this service. I thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. I'm praying tonight that we would resist the deification of man. I pray tonight that you would pour out your spirit upon us. God, help us to see clearly, Lord, your truth and your righteousness. Let this word help us in this place. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. First of all, let me show you tonight the normal Christian life. Everybody say normal. The normal Christian life. And let me just say, first of all, if you are not living this life, you are not normal. All right? Let's look at the normal Christian life. The the lives of Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts give us a clear example of what the Christian life should look like. How many believe tonight that the book of Acts is our blueprint? Now, we may not always achieve the same levels of revival that they saw, but that is our goal. That is our blueprint. That is the framework to which we look of what the church is supposed to be and what the people in the church are supposed to be doing. So let us never fool ourselves tonight into thinking that this modern Christianity of soft-spoken and politically correct, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, kumbaya Christianity, let us never get the idea that that is normal Christianity. It is not. What we see here is the blueprint. Look at verse 8. While they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. Can I tell you tonight that Jesus is still alive? That the Holy Spirit is still able to do great, incredible works through the lives of His people. Is there anybody who still believes that tonight? Is there anybody here who still believes that God can heal the sick when you lay your hands upon them. Is there anyone here who still believes that God can raise the dead? Is there anyone who still believes that God is able to heal a man who's lame from birth? That's normal Christianity. Anything outside of that, anything that's less than that is not normal. They came upon this man. And one of the marks of a spirit-filled believer is the ability to notice the need and respond to it. In other words, that these men, they, they didn't pass the crippled man by thinking, oh, so bad for him, wish we could do something. No, when they saw the need, they began to respond to it. When they saw that there was a man crippled from his birth, that their hearts were stirred. Can I ask you tonight? Is your heart still stirred 
by the needs that are around you? Is your heart still stirred when you see people who are lost and broken in their sin? Who are lost and broken in their bodies? Verse 9, it says that this man began to listen as Paul was preaching. And Paul looked at him, looked straight at him while he was preaching and realized that he had the faith to be healed. So I want to tell you tonight, one of the marks of a a spirit-filled life is to recognize the faith that exists in other people. Now this man, the Bible said he had the faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. And that's because it takes more than just that momentary uh, uh, belief. But when Paul began to encourage this man, Paul began to pray for this man, there was a supernatural transaction and he received a healing. I believe there's people in your life. I believe there's people in your workplace, in your neighborhood. I believe there's people perhaps even in your family that if we were to ask them, do you believe God could heal you? Yes, I believe. But maybe all that's needed is for us to step out in faith and to meet that need and begin to lay our hands on the sick and begin to believe God. Once again, Paul understood that this faith was effectual, that it was viable, it was useful. And so from the pulpit, as he's preaching, Paul called out to this man and said, You, stand up. Stand up in a loud voice. The Bible says that he didn't whisper. The Bible says that he did not not, uh, uh, make it small. Oh, come over here, brother, into our prayer room so that I can pray for you. No, it was very public, wasn't it? Stand up! Stand up to your feet and be healed in Jesus' name. See, miracles tonight are not for the double-minded, not for the weak believer, but for the bold in spirit. Boldness to believe in God. For the miraculous. Can we still believe? Can we still be bold enough tonight to believe God to bring miracles in our midst? This is what normal Christianity looks like. Normal Christianity looks like drug addicts and alcoholics getting radically saved. That's normal Christianity. We think that it's amazing. We think that it's remarkable. We think that it's something to be noticed, something to be shouted from the rooftops. But hey, that's just normal Christianity. That's what should normally be happening in a church of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen tonight? Now look at the man who was healed. First of all, we notice that he had the immediate obedience to the call that immediately he stood up to his feet and began to walk. In other words, that he didn't wait around and contemplate it for a while. He didn't think to himself, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. He stood up to his feet and obeyed the word of the apostle. I want to tell you that there is great power in obedience tonight. He stepped out in faith, and for the first time in his life, he was walking on his own two feet. Now, when this miracle takes place, there is something amazing that happens in the crowd of this particular city. No doubt this would have been a landmark event. This would have been a public 
display of the power of God to bring a man who had been lame from his birth, crippled, his feet were not able to work, and in a moment of time, the Apostle Paul speaks and he stands up to his feet and walks. Everyone there would have been noticing that. Everyone there would have been amazed. And something began to happen that day that still happens with us. And that's really the thrust of my message here tonight. It said in verse 11 that when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they began to shout, These men are gods in human form. Now, you might say that that's silly. You might say that uh, that, that never happens today. That I would never do something like that. Pastor, this doesn't happen in America in 2019. We don't make gods out of men. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. You might say, Pastor, no, 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 this is not for... This is not for the United States of maybe in India, in the Hindu religion, where they have 300,000 gods. You might see somebody over there in those crazy places. And yet, I believe we still do this, don't we? How about, uh, how about Thor, the god of thunder, and Captain America? Can I tell you, they're just characters on a screen. And yet, if you were to see the people who are waiting with bated breath for the next Marvel movie to come out, it's almost like worship. The way that uh, America spends its money on cartoon characters is really what they are. And we all love a good story. We all love a good uh, drama, all of these things. They teach us lessons. But the way that we begin to deify, how about what you see on the pages of gossip magazines? The way that we worship celebrities and their opinions as if they mean more than your opinion or my opinion. When we come to the arena arena of politics, hello, we put our faith in some guy who has an R next to his name or some girl or some guy who has a D next to their name. And we think that if we put all of our trust in that person, that they're going to solve all of our problems. They're going to keep the checks rolling in. Or they're going to keep our nation in one place or another. This is still the same problem, isn't it? It's the people of that city who began to say, these men are gods in human form. I'm amazed. And how people lose their minds in support of somebody. Lose their minds. Normally, they would have uh, a clear thinking about certain things. But as soon as they're rooting for someone who's on the same team. Did you ever notice that? If you're a sports fan, if the, it, it, it's kind of like Tom Brady. I'm going to talk about Tom Brady, right? So for everyone who's not a New England Patriots fan, Tom Brady is like the devil incarnate. Right? And if you are a Patriots fan, Tom Brady is like, the, is like Jesus Christ himself, walking on water, almost. But just wait a minute, if 
if you're a Steelers fan and some miracle took place and all of a sudden Tom Brady became a Steeler, then all of you Steeler fans would say, Whoa, Tom Brady! He is Jesus. Look at him. Just like that, we would begin to put our trust in someone to win a few games. Can I tell you that this has been a pattern of the human race ever since the beginning? Pharaohs, Caesars, and kings who place themselves in the position of gods. And can I tell you, unfortunately, that this sometimes bleeds into the church of Jesus Christ? Yes, it sure does. Where just because there's a guy standing behind a pulpit that we believe that he is somehow invincible. Just because there's a deacon next to his name, or there's a bishop next to his name, or there's an apostle so-and-so next to it, or just because the door is on the... Uh, the name is on the front door, all of a sudden, beyond criticism and deserve praise. This is where Paul and Barnabas found themselves. In the very awkward position, they were preaching the gospel. They had done a miracle. This is normal Christianity. And look what begins to happen around them in verse 13, the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So there was a priest of the temple and the crowd brought bowls and wreaths of flowers to the gates. And they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. Now just imagine yourself. Did you ever watch Pinky and the Brain? What are we going to do today, Brian? Same thing we do every day, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Now, if you were the brain in that moment, you would be saying, okay, let's do this, right? Because his goal is to try and take over the world. And if you have a whole city of people gathering to worship and to make sacrifices before you, you know what that means? It means my position is being elevated. It means my prominence is getting noticed. It means I'm getting more power and more influence, and I'm going to be able to tell people what to do Paul could have very easily said, oh yeah, bring it on, bring it on, guys. Come on, let's do this. See, this is what human nature tends to do. What do you do when men begin to make sacrifices on your behalf? George Washington, if you're a student of history, you know that our, the, our, our nation's first president is called the indispensable man for a reason. Without George Washington, we probably would not have the United States of America today. He was a great military general. He led the people. He presided over the, uh, over the formation of the United States Constitution. He, he, uh, he, uh, when he was done with all of that, he thought that he was finished. He wanted to retire back to Mount Vernon and become just a simple farmer. He stayed on the farm for a couple of years, and finally they came, knocked on his door. We need a president. Remember that executive that you helped us shape in the second, in Article 2 of the Constitution? He said, yeah, I remember. He, they said, we want to elect you, George. He left the farm again to become the president. He took a trip up to New York, 
he put his hand on his Bible and he pledged to serve as the first American president. He was elected after four years to a second term. We know for eight years he served. Can I tell you at that time, there was no limit on how many terms a president could serve. But after eight years in the office, he said, I'm done. It's time for someone else. You know, if George Washington wanted to become the king of America, he probably could have done it. If he wanted to become King George of America, it was his throne to take. And he could have taken that power to himself. And uh, somebody, I believe it was somebody in England, I don't remember who, but the quote was that if George Washington steps down after his second term, he'll be the greatest American who ever lived. And that's exactly what he did. He took the power and he gave it to somebody else because he didn't want to become King George III. He already escaped King George from England, right? And so what we find in George Washington is the same idea that what the Apostle Paul, men would begin to worship and sacrifice. Romans 1, verse 25, says what happens when, when we begin to worship something other than the true and living God. It says they trade the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Now tonight, there are two dangers when this begins to happen. The deification of man. The first danger is to the one who's being worshipped. Paul has a tremendous temptation here. And Barnabas. This is in your nature and mind to heap up influence and power to yourself. If you don't think that's in you, just look at what happens to people who win the lottery. Have you ever seen the terrible, tragic stories of those people? I pray that none of you ever wins the lottery. I mean, except for me, of course. <laughs> but we think that we could handle that. We think that I could handle $50 million in one lump sum. But many of us, most of us, cannot. That's why God thankfully spares us. People who win the lottery, all of a sudden, they have all this power and influence and ability and when you begin to heap that up, it has a devastating effect on that person. Many of these people, their lives within one year's time are completely destroyed. Relationships, families fall apart. Drugs and alcohol. But the second great danger is for the people around. Paul understands in this moment, here's the priests from the temple of Zeus who are bringing bulls. Can you imagine this? they're bringing the bull a bull is like a tractor you know how much a tractor costs these days like a two hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of money they're bringing this bull who has great value and they're about to kill this bull in front of paul to offer it to him as a sacrifice they're about to put wreaths around his neck and they're about to worship him as as some kind of deity can i tell you this is also part of human nature. Oh, yes, it is. Because when you do not worship the true and living God, you will worship something or someone. This is what we see in the modern day left in our po political culture. 
and mostly a people who have rejected the God of the Bible, mostly a people who have rejected the influence of God's Word. Can I tell you, if you are a modern atheist, it's not that you worship nothing. You begin to worship something very different. Worship the earth. Worship a politician. Oh, if only Elizabeth Warren could get elected. Pocahontas. And putting our faith and trust in some elected official because, or some government expert bureaucrat, if only they could get their way, everything would be better. Can I tell you, this is all a great strategy of hell. Do you know why? Because God does not share His glory with anybody. That was a real good place to say amen. God will not show, share His glory with anyone. Do you remember Daniel chapter 4? When Nebuchadnezzar began to think of himself a little more highly than he ought. When Nebuchadnezzar began to look around at great Babylon, and no doubt Babylon was a great nation in those days. It was the great superpower of the world, much like America would be today. He looked around and he said, look at this Babylon. He said, look at all the technical innovations we have. Look at how advanced we are. Look at all the people who want to come here to Babylon. This is, this is my nation. I did this. This is amazing. Isn't it great? Let me just build a giant golden statue of myself. And look what happened to him in Daniel chapter 4, verse 31. While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Say, what does that mean, Pastor? I have no idea, but it sounds bad. All I can say is, I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't want it to happen to you either. How did it happen in the first place? Because Nebuchadnezzar was stealing glory from God. He said, look at this great place that I have made with my hands. And God said, uh-uh. That far and no further, Nebuchadnezzar, you've just stolen my glory. And God said, I'm going to make you crazy. Do you ever wonder why these people in Hollywood get so nuts? you ever wonder why? Because they walk around and nobody can say no to them. You said no to me? Uh-uh. Some of these people, I mean, it was the, the most famous example, Pastor... Um, uh, from San Antonio, Pastor Richard, help me out, R Richard Ruby, thank you, preached that sermon about, uh, about Michael Jackson. He said, here's a guy who was, he was nuts, lost his mind. And you know why it was? Because he was so rich and so powerful, nobody could say no to him. Oh, you need to have all those drugs, Michael? Here you go. You want to live like that? You want to have little children sleeping in your bed? Okay. 
He went insane. Why? Because nobody could say no to him. God doesn't share his glory. This is what happens when we begin to assume the powers that we don't have. Acts 12, we have another example. Acts 12, verse 21. On a day, so on a set day, Herod, who arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration, and the people kept shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. Do you hear what's happening? They're listening to him speak that day, and Herod is giving some fine speech, and it was amazing, and everyone was amazed. Oh, Herod, you're awesome. You're and they were shouting his praises. He sounds like a God, not of a man. And it says immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And check this out. He was eaten up by worms and died. Could you imagine that? And why is that? Because he attempted to steal the glory of God. I want to tell you that God does not share His glory. Look at verse 14 as we see the proper revelation. The proper strategy to avoid stealing God's glory. Look at 14. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay. They ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news. You should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God. The first thing we see here is radical humility. Can I tell you, you can never be too humble. Oh, pastor, what's, your, what's my greatest weakness? Oh, I'm just too humble. <laughs> can I tell you, there's really no such thing as too humble. And humility is a funny thing, isn't it? Because once you tell yourself that you have it, then you've lost it. Oh, man, God's been working on my humility lately. And I've been doing pretty well with it. Yep, I'm pretty humble these days. Moses called himself the most humble man on the earth. Until you realize that he's the one that wrote those words. Wait a second. I am the most humble man on earth. He's writing it down. Moses was the most humble man on the earth. See, and once you think you've got it, then it's gone. What Paul began to do in Barnabas, they tore their clothing. No, don't do this. They embarrassed themselves. Can I tell you that's a great strategy? Just tell people who you really are. Oh, really? You think I'm a God? Ask my wife. Oh, let me tell you how much I snore. You want to see my hair when I wake up in the morning? Whoa! Radical humility means it's okay to embarrass yourself, to have some self-awareness in life. Realize that you are very deserving of condemnation and wrath from God. I am very deserved. I am very deserving. That every moment that I walk on this earth is a gift from God. He could have struck me down dead very early in my life, and I would have been okay with that. I would have deserved it. 
and I still deserve it. Can you still realize tonight your humility? The second strategy we see here is that Barnabas and Paul began to equalize with these people. He said, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. In other words, he's finding commonality with the people. This is not what a natural man would do. A natural man would begin to show them all the reasons why I'm better than you, and I'm smarter than you, and you're ugly, and I look good. Right? That's what the natural man does. You ain't got game. Paul and Barnabas began to equalize. No, 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 brothers. We're just like you. We're no different from you. It doesn't make any sense for you to make a sacrifice to us. I'm just like you. You're just like me. We're the same. Can I tell you? Christians somehow get this weird idea, especially if you've gotten a little old and crusty in your faith. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm living for God. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm so glad that I'm not like those <laughs> little people who are on their way to hell. And we don't express it like that, but sometimes we feel it. Our, our neighbors who, you, you know, you've you got neighbors who smoke weed or who, uh, who do stupid things, and you think to yourself, man, glad I'm not like them. Can I tell you? We're just as much saved from wrath as they can be. We're just beggars who have found a source of food, haven't we? And our lot in life is to share that source with a few other beggars. Let us not be high-minded like the Pharisees became, like the man who beat his breast and said, I'm unworthy. I'm a sinner. And the man sitting next to him said, I'm so glad I'm not like this crazy guy. We need to equalize ourselves. The third thing we see here is that they were very careful to reflect all of the praise to God and define who He is. Paul and Barnabas began to give a classic definition, description, and apologetic of who God was. Look, he says, we have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from worthless idols and turn to the living God. Which God are you talking about? The one who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You know what they were doing there? Reminding the crowds of what they couldn't do. You're worshiping us. Let me tell you about the God who really made everything. Let me tell you about Him. Let me tell you about what He's done in my life. What we must do, beloved, is we must restrain people from making sacrifices to anyone except God. Now I want to show you something very interesting. Something very interesting about our Scripture, how quickly... The tides can turn. Uh, there's a guy that I know uh, at my workplace that he, uh, he recently fell on some really hard times. He was a guy who was addicted to the party lifestyle. He was addicted to alcohol very, real bad. Like he got, he got uh, uh, three DUIs in a row. They took his uh, driver's license. He spent nine months in jail. And at the same time that all this was happening, you know what else happened? He contracted multiple sclerosis. Sad story. He's in a wheelchair today. 
But he made an interesting comment. Thank God he's not drinking anymore. He's sober. He got saved. He's living for God. Uh, it's a, an amazing conversion story. But as I'm listening to this man, he, he made a statement. He said, you know, when you go to jail, you find out who your real friends are. He said, for all this time, I was living this party lifestyle. I'd have girls. I'd have friends. I'd have all of these parties. As long as, I, as, long as the party lifestyle was going on, I thought I had this whole circle of friends around me. And then when I really needed help, nobody. He says, now I have my parents and nobody else. My church family now, after he got saved. You find out who your real friends are when the party's over. In our scripture, something amazing happens. Look at verse 19 as we close. Some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. So just before we move forward, that's important information. The, the Jews, in other words, the people who didn't believe in Jesus at that moment, they began to convince the people of Antioch and Iconium that Paul and Barnabas were psychos, that they were preaching a false doctrine. And immediately, a moment, look at the next sentence, they began to stone Paul and dragged him out of town. How quickly they changed their minds. On one day, they were about to sacrifice a bull to this guy. And the next day, they're throwing stones to try to kill him. Isn't that just like the support of the world? Isn't that just like the kind of support that the devil gives? They thought he was dead. One day, they're gods. The next day... Listen, this is why people lose their minds in the world. This is why, beloved, people who leave the church, people who backslide, you can't do it successfully. On Palm Sunday, the crowds in Jerusalem were welcoming Jesus into town. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is He. Right? And one week later, they were shouting, Crucify, Crucify. When we consider this tendency of man to make gods of other men, I want to remind you that Jesus taught the exact opposite. Jesus taught, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Jesus taught servant leadership. Jesus taught the washing of feet. The greatest among you shall be the servant of all. It's a radically different concept. And that's why the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they were able to survive. Most men would not survive this account. Most men, most people, they would have received the praise and God would not have allowed it. They would have been destroyed. But the Apostle Paul survived. More than that, the Apostle Paul was protected by God. Look at verse 20. As the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town, and the next day he left. On he goes in the Lord. Many scholars believe that he actually did die that day, but they prayed him back to life. The believers gathered around him, and he got back up. 
I believe that that is a little description of a resurrection. That the Apostle Paul was resurrected from the dead because he still had work to do. He still had churches to plant. Can I tell you, you still have work to do for the Lord. He's not done with you yet. He's got a purpose and a plan for you, and you cannot be bothered by the praises of others. Don't become so so filled with your own fanfare. Pastor Campbell says, don't believe what they say about you on the flyer. It's not true. We know who you really are. And yes, while we honor our leaders, we honor them, and God honors it when we honor men. But I want to tell you, beloved, there's only one God, and He does not share His glory. So whether your temptation is to have that glory heaped up in your life, and can I tell you, the people who normally have that temptation are at the bottom of the totem pole. Or whether it is that you begin to make gods out of men around you? Can we be reminded tonight that God does not share His glory? I want to encourage you tonight. Let's keep our focus and our eyes exactly where they should be, upon Jesus Christ and Him crucified, resurrected from the dead. If you are a person led by the Holy Spirit, I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit will not allow you to heap praises only upon another man. But upon the Spirit of God will lead you to worship Him and Him alone. This, let's take a moment and bow our heads this evening. Close our eyes. As we bring this service to a close, once again, opposing deification. Tonight, a very simple message from the Word of God. A temptation that exists in the heart of every man is to make more out of men than they really are. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.